Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, boys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Got a great episode for you today, as always. On this one, I sit down with Jason Borovka. He came up seventh in the Bass Nation Kayak Series Championship held at Possum Kingdom here in Texas. It was only his second tournament fishing out of a kayak, so that's pretty impressive. And we're going to be diving into his tournament and how it went for him and how he got to that seventh place. But more importantly, we're going to be talking about his son, JT, who suffers from the rarest disease known to man right now. And it's a very important episode if this is the only episode you listen for my podcast that's okay because i want you to listen to this one we talk about fishing and that's awesome but more importantly we're going to be talking about jt his life and how he's affected by this disease and more importantly how you can help out not only jt but everyone else in the future or presently that might be suffering from this disease it's a very cruel disease that targets um, at a young age so give it a listen if you get inspired by listening to this to reach out to jason borovka or to go to the website which you can see on the scroll behind below if you're watching on facebook youtube or waypoints tv it's www.savejt.com and again if you're inspired by uh jason's story to reach out to him please keep in mind there's a lot of people reaching out to him right now it takes a while for him to to get in contact to reply to those messages those best witches messages it took him a couple of days to reply to me when i invited him on the podcast don't take it personal it's overwhelming not just the situation but the um the amount of people right now that are reaching out to him and trying to help him out keep in mind also um sometimes when you're in a situation like that even though i haven't ever dealt with something like that but talking to him it is a little bit overwhelming when strangers come up to you and ask you about your current situation 
And even though it's best in stations, if you see him out on the water kayak fishing, if you reach out to him social media, you know, we don't you don't always have to bring up the subject that he's dealing with JT. It's always nice to talk about just have a normal conversation about fishing, sports, whatever it is that you like to talk about. So keep that in mind. Huge shout out to uh, Joe McElroy, who donated his winnings. He came up second place and all the winnings from that tournament he donated to save JT. Huge shout out to Ryan Lambert and Kayak Bass Nation stepping up with a charity tournament that should be coming up soon. If uh, if you know Ryan Lambert and you haven't heard about the charity event, which uh, you should reach out to him if you want to help out, get signed up for the tournament once the details comes out, um, and check him out on the KBN group page also. It's going to be a huge charity event, and uh, so we shout, shout out to everybody that's been helping out and, and all the people that have reached out to Jason and donated to help save JT. So with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Have a great day, everyone. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. And welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Super excited about today's episode. I got Jason Borovka. I hope I mentioned that right. Just coming out fresh from uh, participating or taking part in the Bass Nation Kayak Series, the championship. I know it has a different name, Bassmaster, Bass Kayak Championship, Classic, whatever it is. But anyways, we got Jason. (laughs) Jason, thank you so much for coming to the show, man. How are you doing? Oh, thanks, Ramon. I appreciate you inviting me on. Doing great. Back at home, resting up. I had a full day of just relaxing hanging out with my boy uh doing great doing great just glad to be here so jason you came up seventh in the in the championship right the bass nation character championship yeah yeah it was uh how did that feel it was an amazing week i mean you know i i uh you know everything just kind of fell into place you know i had my ups and downs during the tournament but uh you know, when I was, I, I thought I don't know if I'm, I'm more proud of myself making it there or just holding it together because I had, like I said, I had ups and downs, being a lost fish with this and that. I just kind of kept together and just kept rolling with what I was doing. And, and it, it all worked out in the end. You know, I think, I think just about every single fisherman that was there, you know, of course, everybody wants to win, but everybody wanted to make the top 10. And that was, yeah. that was, that was my goal was to make the top 10 and get on that classic stage for the first time in my life. And, and just to just have the whole experience and and it it worked out it happened yeah ever since last year when they did the inaugural bass station carrick series i mean you would look um i would listen to podcast interview and the guys who want to take part in 
most everyone said, you know, what they're looking forward to. It's not necessarily the paycheck, but being there, you know, in that top 10 finalists and being able to walk, you know, and say they were there in the top 10 is, is definitely an accomplishment that never gets old, especially when you're like born into that culture, when you follow it from, from little kid, you know, and, and you dive in into bass fishing, it means a lot to those people, um, to everyone that takes part of it and being there is it's definitely a, a great experience. So Jason, before we go into dive into the, the tournament, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do, and how do you got into kayak fishing? Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually from the West Coast, Northern California. I uh, grew up in Salinas, which is near Monterey. If even listeners are listening, Monterey, California is pretty popular. So I'm just from that area. I just recently moved out here, but basically started out fishing when I was I was young out there. Kind of snuck into a, a team tournament when I, I think by law I wasn't able to, but I back then I was kind of like, you know, I'm 18 or, you know, so we went and I did that and from there, got into trophy bass hunting stuff with the swim bait deal when that big craze hit. And, um, and from there on, I moved on to from team tournaments to pro-ams and uh, ended up uh, starting fishing professionally out west uh, and have been truly, truly blessed to have a very successful uh, west coast fishing career. And there's not a whole lot of us out there. And, and, uh, and just, you know, always wanted to move back here. And, and, uh, that's my story, man. You know, my, I met my wife, um, when we were, when we were 21, she was into fishing too. And if, if anybody's seen my social media, I mean, she, you know, you know, she can fish. She's, she's good. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my story in a, in a short, short version there, you know, uh, you know, my whole lifelong dream has just been fishing for a living and, and, uh, you know, I, I've had some amazing things happen. One, one really, truly amazing thing was, um, you know, I met my brother David Barofka just through fishing. You know, we we, uh, we just never met growing up. We we weren't together or anything, and and we literally met on the water, and uh, and uh, we talk all the time now. And and it's like, you know, it was just a piece of me that was missing. And and I met my brother, and and uh, he's the big kayak fisherman. He's the reason that I may I was at the classic. The real real reason is. You know, he's, we got to know each other. We've been fishing, and he's doing his thing, you know, over the last few years, and we've gotten to know each other. He wanted me to fish a kayak out of a kayak so bad, and I was like, man, you know, I don't know if I can drive four hours to fish a kayak tournament for, you know, I mean, low entry fee. I just I just, I was really busy is what it was. I just had lots of things going on, and and he's, he, I said, when there's a big one, you let me know when there's a big tournament, and he called me and said, dude, I got a kayak for you. There's a big tournament coming up. You're coming. We're going to Clear Lake. And, and it was the uh, bass, uh, the qualifier for the classic. And um, I fished out of a yellow, bright yellow Hobie. And, and it was like, a, I just remember seeing that thing. It was, it was just a big banana. Um, Thanks, Andy Rauer. It was his wife's packet. So it was like a giant banana. I was like, oh, cool. You know, and, um, and uh, you know, went from there. I, I went there and, and had a just, an awesome time, you know, didn't fall out of the kayak. I learned how to paddle and practice and learn how to mess around. Didn't have a trolling motor. That was another thing. You know, I got there and, and I, I, I literally, I got to the launch ramp and I'm looking at all these guys and I'm like, Whoa, what did I get myself into? You got these kayak fish were serious. I was like, I looked at my brothers like, all these guys got trolling motors, dude. <laughs> you know? So I, I went out there and, and uh, got into it and, you know, just had, um, I know, the, I know clearly very well. 
and um, I just I had a successful pre-fish, and I, I caught a, a couple really nice fish. One was 10-pounder in the tournament, and, you know, I just I found a way to make it, and I, I think I ended up in the top 10. I don't know if it's fourth or fifth. I think I, I made it, and, uh, yeah, so from that point, I wasn't here in Texas. Now, listeners are probably like, where are you at now? I live in, in the DFW area, just, just east of, of Dallas. Um, we moved here. Um, for other reasons we'll talk about later for my son and and uh, we've always dreamed of moving to the out here and fish but you know I, I i at that point when i qualified for that tournament I, I had no plans of moving here but we end up moving over here and um uh, and then I, it was well, it was scheduled for uh louisville lake right mm-hmm. i did yep. tons of homework on there tons and tons of homework on that and then they switch and then i didn't even pay attention to emails i didn't even know they switched it one of the guys told me hey they switched it to possible kingdom and i was like oh no um so uh i was able to get out before the uh the off limits in practice which was pretty much pointless because we had all this rain yeah, changed a lot yeah and but yeah but back to how i got into kayak fishing it was my brother that got me here um if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gotten a kayak. I wouldn't have been able to experience that. I wouldn't be able to meet all these amazing people. Now I've made some really good friends. Some, some like couple, like call my best friends, like amazing people. I, and um, and seeing the kayak world from just you know, I'm always been a boater, and you know, I just don't know anything about it. And now when you're in a kayak, now I have a lot more tons of respect for kayak fishermen. Um, yeah, I just can rave about it. the whole industry of kayak fishing. You guys got it going on, man. You guys, it's almost like old school bass boats. I'm not saying the bass boat guys aren't are bad or anything, but it's getting pretty wild out there. And um, you know, I think kayak fishermen have a lot of respect for each other. They're just down to earth people, um, and uh, I'm proud to be part of it. So that's how I, I got carried away there. But that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a rabbit hole when we go down between the. The rivalry between bass boats and kayak fishing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot of good blood and a lot of bad blood. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna say that. Yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, I have said many times, you know, you have a career as a politician, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of things I got from from uh, telling you your story is one, you were underage sneaking in at bass tournaments instead of buying beer. Props to you, my man. I don't yeah. know if I would have. <laughs> You're a better man than most of us. <laughs> Although I imagine you did use that fake ID for some, you know. Oh yeah. Well. But we'll, we'll leave that. <laughs> oh yeah. And second of all, this is your. This was only your second kayak fishing tournament, the yeah. the championship. Yeah, yeah. There was this little thing I did. I guess it was a tournament, but it was like a. I just went. It was like a little festival, uh, or not a festival, but like a group thing where you kind of go out and you have like a five-man team in between that. So I don't know if that was considered a tournament. Uh, you know, there, I don't even think there was like a first-place prize. That was just something I did. But as far as an official kayak event, yeah, that was my second one. Wow. That is yeah. impressive. Even I, if you come, even if you're coming from a boat fishing background or whatever, you know, fishing background you come on, it's, it's still a learning curve just to be able to – you know, stay on a kayak and then try to figure out the, the, the bite. Uh, it was it, was it as tough? Well, I mean, I guess not because you came up seven, but was it as tough as you thought it was going to be when you got into kayak fishing? Um, 
I well, how tough? Do you, well, you thought it? Do you think? Do you thought it was going to be easy pickings, or did you saw like? How was that at first experience? Okay, so the first experience, obviously, I, I'm on a on a clear lake. I've won. I can say I'm, I'm won tons of money on that lake. Um, I, I know the lake. I thought, okay, it's going to be easy pickings and this and that, but I didn't really realize it till the moment I got in the kayak and I was probably like 20 feet from the shore when I was like awkward. It was all awkward. And I, was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I mean, can you, I mean, I think everybody can imagine the first time you got in a kayak. Yeah. Like you're like, Whoa, you know? And, and, uh, I was like, Oh no, this is gonna be a lot harder. Than I thought it was going to be. And, uh, we, you know, I thought it was going to be easy and I actually really had to work for my fish. And, um, um, I just remember even when my brother was fishing near me and, I lost 90 inches in the first hour and a half of the day. I, oh my God. I didn't know what to do. I, I was like, I'd hook the fish down practice. I'm such a non catching guy. I would, I was flipping and punching grass with no hooks a period. There was just a screw weight in there. So, but, um, and I could feel the fish and I could see him chase my bait up and stuff. So I hadn't hooked a bass other than on like a drop shot or something that they're mm -hmm. not going to hook, you know, on, in one of the practices I hooked them on little worms and I was able to reel them in, taking the picture. I actually practice taking pictures with a stuffed animal. I think he's a red Oh, well, I, I got it. It's right here. This is a, this is what I practice with. And I cannot really was in here. It's a 24 and a half inch bass. And I took pictures of me doing it, and I I told my brother, "Is this how you hold it?" You know, I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> that's what I, I mean. I, it wasn't real serious; it's kind of a joke. But I I literally just took a picture of it, and I was, that's how I started it. But literally on the water, I I caught a few fish, and I was able to hold them. And and my brother showed me how to hold the mouth, and and uh, it was difficult. It was it wasn't easy. I like I said, I lost a lot of fish. I, I didn't know how to. I hooked them. I was reeling them up, and I went to swing them, and. I almost fell out and I think I just got a lot of slack in the line. I was just all, I remember putting my rod back here and putting in the tube. And when I pulled it out, I must've jarred the reel because I set the hook and the reel pops off. Um, those are the random things, that, you know, little quick things I learned, but you know, I recovered and, and uh, the tournament went well. Uh, uh, it was difficult. I just, um, I somehow made it through it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I think by the end of the tournament, after I, at the very end, I was so dialed in and I have a Hobie um, just because that's what I was using. I had a Hobie and, and I, it has this little steering thing to turn it. And I was, I had it dialed. I would kind of drift in the mat, turn it, stand up, get like three or four punches, sit back down, kind of do a quick little pedal and turn. And it, I just did that all day. And, you know, luckily it wasn't really windy and, and uh, yeah, it would, I thought it was going to be easy, but it wasn't, but it ended up working out. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then I, you know, with Possum Kingdom, oh my gosh, I mean, that was that was totally different. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Were you satisfied with your seventh place? Yeah, I was. I was. I um, I'm not a big uh, crybaby when it comes to fish loss. I think everybody lost a lot of fish, but I had some really monsters get off. And you know, I've been around fishing dude long enough. I knew what I was, what exactly I was doing, and the odds of landing them, and how it was working out was against me. But I was very happy, on, and I was just, I was satisfied where I finished. I truly was. Once I, I felt like I just crushed them at the end of the day, on the last day, and 
And uh, I just knew I was in the top 10. I just felt so good because I knew the opportunity that I was going to have to, um, you know, go on stage and talk about my kid. And I just, I just knew it. So that was, that let's, was let's go ahead and, and segue to that. Then we'll, we'll get back to the tournament later because really one of the main reasons what I wanted you on the podcast, not only because of your fishing background and obviously your accomplishment, yeah. but um, that uh, victory means a lot to you. I know for a lot of professional kayak anglers, they depend on that check to, you know, try to keep their careers going for most of us that just fish on local clubs. And every time a national tournament comes to Texas and I'll, you know, I'll take time to fish it. I never worry about what I'm going to win. I just want to use it as a measuring stick to fish with Russ Snyder, Cody Milton, Guillermo Gonzalez, Christine Fisher, and kind of like, you know, measuring stick. How do I stack up against these guys? So money's not a big deal, but for you, it's different. Um, it takes a whole new meaning. And tell us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about that because I know you mentioned it on the on on stage. We, you talked about JT, which is your son. Tell us a little bit about you know JT and the conditions that that he's facing and, and you know how you know how hard it has been for you to to deal with this and and balance your life around what uh, you know fishing and all that. Yeah, it's uh, so you know. I guess start with uh, getting on the stage. You know, I, um, you guys, but you know, now you're seeing the save JT going across the bottom of the screen. Yep. And, um, and I want you guys, you know, you can pick up your phones and look at it or, you know, or look at it later. But, um, you know, my son has the rarest disease in, in the entire world. I mean, it is the rarest disease in the entire world. It's, it's one of them. Unless you're just one person that has only one disease and you're only one person, but he's one of nine and, uh, and making, so back to making that, that stage, you know, I had an opportunity there to touch a lot of people. Um, I knew what I was going to do. I, I just, I actually, before I even went to this tournament, I knew I was going to be on that stage. I know it's kind of sounds weird, but I just, I just knew I was going to make the top 10. I, I felt it and things have been working out in in ways, you know, can't, ex it's hard to explain. And, and, uh, I knew, I, me, I knew I was going to make it. And, um, when I got up there, I, you know, I, I knew that, and that I, the time that I had there, I needed to make it count. And I, I wanted to let everybody know about my son. That's why I asked everybody to take out their phones and, and uh, take a look. Now, you know, the guys in line, a lot of them didn't know, of course, you know, I'm not going to go to the, the meeting and start talking about my son. Everybody's there. Everybody's excited. They got their own reasons why they're at, why they're yeah. at the championship. I don't want to, you know that there's a time and place for everything, and yeah. and that was my time and place was to get up there and say it, and and um, it 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 just meant a lot to me to let everybody know, um, and we'll talk about how it worked out at the end. But back to my son, he has the rarest disease in the entire world. Um, so there's only been 60 kids with TPI, and TPI is the word is long. it's short because it's called triophosphate East Maurice deficiency. It took me like forever to learn how to say that. Um, and it is a disease that affects your body. It's a genetic disease. So, you know, it takes two people. My wife and I both have this rare mutated gene. So the odds of having that gene is in the millions, millions, millions. And, and um, so we had JT, 
Um, it's a one in four chance that JT would have um, TPI. We didn't know that going to find all this information after uh, JT gets, has TPI. So when he was born, there was no sign of anything. It was nothing. It was, we didn't know it was our, he's our first and only kid. And uh, we went to the his pediatrician, I think it was three month checkup. And she said, he looks a little pale. Um, let's check his iron level. And one thing led to another. She goes, Hey, he's low on iron. And you know, I want to, it doesn't, doesn't look that good. I want you to see a specialist and they're connected with Stanford already. They're a, a branch of Stanford. So Stanford was two, two hours away from us. Um, we had an appointment to go up to Stanford. We took him up there and, uh, they, uh, they, they ran a test on him and it was to check his hemoglobin level, um, which is your cells anyways it it was it was like they just basically were waiting on the test and he was pale and he was kind of just kind of out of it a little bit um when i say things happen for reason this just so happened that the number one hematologist doctor in the world now if you're listening you know a hematologist doctor if you if you drop the name Bertel glader odds are your hematologist read the books in school to he just so happened to be there and he walked in with an entourage of students from Stanford and basically took the, it just happened, he happened to take his case. And and so at this point, he's like, hey, it's nothing. Now we're moving into, there's, he still has low hemoglobin level of the heat. And we get called back and um, we go back for another appointment and the doctor goes, something's wrong. Something, I've never seen anything like this. Something's up. I need to have it. I need to get permission for, to have this go through a gene to the brand new genetic panel test that's available. Um, and I'll push for it. Insurance didn't cover it. And we're like, I'll spend whatever just to find out. And he's all, no, I, I, I know the right guy to call. So he called, got it done. It was March 5th. Now my son was born on September 13th. It was March 4th. Um, we had an appointment to meet up with them. That was when they were getting the answers because they had to run all the tests. And uh, we, uh, we came back from the, at FLW um, time, FLW, we were all brought JT down there. We were all happy. We came back and we drove up there. And then, uh, you know, it was, just a, it was a terrible day. I mean, they literally walked in and this doctor said that, uh, you know, your son, um, just there's, uh, we're, you know, we're at Stanford and he's just like, <laughs> he's got just a couple years to live and, and there's nothing there's absolutely there's, he just said, I there's, I'm sorry. I, I wish that it was cancer. Cause then there was something I could do. There's absolutely nothing. There's no research. There's nothing on it. And um, we were just like, what? Like, and that was, that was the beginning of it. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think uh, we, uh, we were so in shock, you know, we made it home. Um, I don't think we talked the whole time, but we went home, you know, the whole time home. I was just trying not to think about it, trying to make it home safe. And uh, we made it home and we just sat around for like a week and cried about it. You know, he got, he had three to five, they said max five years, three, three to five years. And, uh, and um, that was it. And, and, uh, and I, we sat around for a week or so and, and I said, we both just decided, I, you know, I was like, there's no way. You know, we're not going down without a fight, man. There's no way we got to fight this. We got to figure this out. If it's that rare, then no one studied it, and there has to be a cure for this thing. And um, 
that's how it started. And the fishing community, there's some, some kayak, some kayakers, the fishing community was the first ones we touched. Um, we were really blessed to have a large following already through fishing. And, uh, and that's what kickstarted the, um, save JT, uh, thing going on in the West and everywhere it started to spread. So, uh, we, um, we decided to fight. We went back to Stanford. Uh, I asked the, all of a sudden the Stanford team, the Stanford's so involved. They've never seen anything like this. So they've got their top people on us. And it was, they had, we had the best, the best that we, we still do. And, uh, they were just, you know, it's, it's a new disease and it's new. It's new to them. It's, it's never even been recorded this side of the Mississippi at that point. No one's ever had it. There's, there's only been 60 cases. And you look back in the history of my son's disease and it's like written literature. I mean, you can't even, there's nothing other than we know that the kids, all of them never had the opportunity. They never got detected until they either passed or they're about to die. And that's when, that's when they figured out what they had. JT is one of the first, um, he's the first TPI patient to be detected of TPI before any of the major symptoms happen. Um, they told us that we know at the age somewhere between 12 months and 22 months, something major was going to happen to him. Um, and he was going to be breathing through a tube and eating through a tube. And, uh, that's exactly what happened to him. Even though we were able to, with the doctors and I'll get to the lab, even though we were able to slow down the, um, so progression. Have, yeah, the progression a little bit, slow down the progression or to where he didn't have to have any kind of blood transfusions is, um, we, we were able to do that with some stuff that came from the lab. It still happened. He got sick on his, just after his first birthday, he got a stomach flu and that kicked in the TPI symptoms. And it's just, they just don't really know how it, how it works, but basically it affects his body. And within three months we had to have a scheduled trach, you know, you know, hole drilled in his throat. And, um, they told us that he wasn't going to be able to talk again. And, um, and he wouldn't be able to eat because he was getting weak in his muscle. They were worried that he wasn't be able to swallow. So it was a scheduled um, deal. So the nightmare kept growing on, man. We were in the hot, we were in the ICU, the worst of the worst, the rarest of the rarest at Stanford. There's some terrible floors in different hospitals. But this one is like a nightmare. And we were in there for a month and a half straight living in there. They were trying to help my son. And, I can't even, I, I don't even want, it's, it was, you know, it was so scary. I mean, when you have other kids in the rooms next to you, you can hear what's going on and, and kids are dying. It's, it's just, it was a nightmare. And that's, that's uh, where we're at. But the positive thing is the only TPI researcher in the entire world is in the U.S. We told Michael Palladino, at the University of Pittsburgh, our Stanford team said, I asked them how much is it going to cost to get a private lab? And they, they estimated about $8 million. And I said, well, yeah. I got to come up with $8 million. This, this, this is it. And then we found Michael Paldino. He already had the lab. It's already been there. He's been studying it. JT. Um, and this is, uh, this is before the trick. This is before the trick. So just to let you guys know, we had talked to him right after he got diagnosed after we went home and cried for a week. We got a hold of this and we started this before uh, we started the save JT and we had amazing fundraisers and we've been funding this ever since. And I've been doing everything I can to bring J 
JT story to the national media, and it, it's worked out. He's been he's been mentioned on Good Morning America, he's Inside Edition, done a story on him, been on a few documentaries, and things are going. And like this right here, this is another thing. This is another blessing. Like you having us on this podcast is is another. Well, I get to touch so many people, and. And uh, we've had it going on, and so far we've had a lot of success. He, just most recently, he since November he's been on a new um, compound, and I've been kind of I'm not really supposed to exactly say what it is. So, but basically, it's it's something you can buy off the shelf, and they've discovered that that works for TPI as far as stabilizing him. Now, JT, as of right now, he his. Um, his blood cells and everything are going back. His energy is going back up. His, um, um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't need a blood transfusion. He's has, he's more active and actually from the doctors and all his retake count, meaning his, his body's not creating more cells, half them. He, he's not burning up cells as much now. So he is improving to the point to where he's stabilized now. And back in November and December, he could barely move like his fingers to grab something. And now he's reaching around. So I feel, and we feel that we are at, we hit the bottom and we're moving back up. Now he needs a lot of, there's a lot of research to be done, a lot of stuff, but the doctors at first said that he's going to be paralyzed. He'll never be able to recover. And now they're saying, well, there's some, he's, his lungs are still, muscles are still working. Things are still working just he can recover and if you guys go have a chance and you go and watch the videos and watch the doctors talk they absolutely believe now that there is there's a cure it's it just hasn't been studied to this point we've already mm -hmm. spent tons of money and the, the lab is going and the more attention on this school and more attention we get it's going to be just even better for jt and it but i'll tell you what watching this happen to anybody is terrible but if it's your kid it's uh it's like a nightmare i mean it's, i mean it, you just it never goes away and it's just constantly you just feel for him so bad i i i just he has i mean when he was getting tested he would come home and his arms are like bruised black and blue from just getting just poked and it's just non-stop man it was just and it's still not as bad as it was but the struggles that he has to deal with every in a day in day out is Man, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to put in words. Definitely. There's, yeah. un, unless you lived it, it's, there's no, really no way that we can, you know, fully say we understand what you're going through. Because obviously that what you're going through is few families have gone through in, and wow. we thank you for sharing the story. I know it's not easy. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, it's a struggle to talk about it. Um, and I imagine, you know, what did, you know, it's just, what, what can you say in situations like this? But it, yeah, bringing you, you know, bringing the story up front, not just in this podcast, because obviously this podcast is small component to Good Morning America and other people and organizations are getting involved into helping you. But to come up here and talk about it, uh, you know, I'm grateful beyond words because uh, it, you know, it's an honor to have you here, and, and I know it's not easy. So, thank you for taking the time to talk about it. It's definitely something that, if anything, we can do to get the word out—not just for you, because 
what JT survival means, not just for you, for your families, for everybody that's come can's coming up behind him with that same um, yeah. condition. You know, he's a he, he, there's an opportunity if we all chip in. JT can be the and you as a family can be the catalyst to bringing an end to you know a, one of the worst diseases that you can one of the most cruelest diseases you can think of and bring an end to it before it even gets a hold of and even get you know before it becomes before it becomes something bigger. Yes. So we all it's it's in the best interest not just for JT not for, just for you for and all of us to help find the cure and help you. Um, by donating and and you know and trying to suffer the cost from from you know that comes with with researching and saving his life i know that um joe McElroy did something amazing on stage and really catapulted a lot of us when we heard what joe McElroy did Immediately, all of us, you know, based on what you said, and then being seeing his action, he says, "No, it, it's it's an opportunity for everyone to step up in the kayak fishing community." How how did that come about? And you know, how did it make you feel when you heard Joe Michael Roy say he was donating? Or tell us the story about what Joe Michael Roy is doing. Well, you know, I I after I got off stage after I talked, I went and I went back to my family on the, they were sitting on the sidelines there and I'm sitting there and just watching them. And, and, uh, you know, Joe, um, went up there and, and just said that like, he's going to donate his winnings to JT. And I, I just, you know, I know, I don't know Joe, you know, that's the thing is I, I didn't know. I briefly talked to him before. Um, and, and, uh, I just, you know, he was, he was a good, cool dude. I admit this, you know, but for someone I don't know to come out and, you know, I know how hard he worked to get to second place, you know, yeah. I know how important, you know, for everybody in the tournament, you know, everybody that's successful and, and did good and got a check out, it doesn't matter if it's a couple hundred bucks or it's $20,000, you know, but for him to do that and to say it on stage, it, it really just like, oh man, I was like, I was literally in shock. I was like, what? Like I... I didn't know what to do. So I ran over there real quick and, and I just gave him a big giant hug and um, thanked him, man. Cause I, I just had this feeling that when he did that, I knew that the whole arena was listening, you know, they were listening to me, but as soon as he did that, it was like really big. And um, it's, it's his actions that spoke there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he inspired so many people. Yes. I was blowing up after that. And, messages and messages i was like whoa like that was that was like the jump start you know we needed covid came and it really crushed us in our fundraising and all that we couldn't do anything you can only do so many online jersey giveaways and stuff mm -hmm. you so many before you just kind of it's just too much you know what i'm saying i mean after covid it just crushed especially being on the west coast we didn't have <laughs> It was clo everything's closed. You can't have anyone cancel golf tournaments or whatever. And but that was really it's really kickstarted our everything we got going out here. Now we have friends out here, you know, a handful. But now we got a lot of friends. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of. People. You have a huge family now. Yeah, and, and it's it's uh, Joe. It's just it's just it just goes to show you, you know, um, the fishing community 
and the guys like him and um, guys like Ryan, guys like you, and people just <laughs> we're all the same, you know. We might not know each other, but we're all friends and we're all there for each other. And, and uh, it's it's uh, I'm happy to be part of this. And I, man, that guy is like, I seen him at the classic game, <laughs> give him a hug. I was like, dude, you know, he was walking around doing his thing. And, and, uh, but man, it's, that was, that was amazing, amazing moment. It was a special moment. Not only was it a special tournament, it was like, yes, it's back history, you know, in a way, the first classic, but then all that happens. And, and then it's all, and then it happens and it helps my son. It's pretty cool. And speaking of great deeds, um, as, you know, it's worth mentioning. Uh, Ryan Lambert is also organizing a tournament, um, a charity tournament, and all proceeds are going to go to Save JT. Um, it's we've had so many people reach out to Ryan Lambert to to you know to help out. I know Douglas, my sponsor, Caleb Conrad, who's sales manager, is reaching out to Ryan Lambert to help out. Um, Uh, I've heard rumors Mike Iaconelli is going to be involved. Uh, even Joe Macro, I think he's donating um, uh, some other things. So like, I can't remember uh -huh. all of it. And there's a, yeah. Uh, yeah, a hunting guide serve, um, expedition. Yeah. or So when you see that, I mean, and again, shout out to Ryan Lambert. If, if anybody out there is listening and wants to donate for the Chattery Tournament, contact Ryan Lambert. Um, via Instagram, you know, social media, or go to the KBN group page, you know, and and just uh, send him a message, shoot him a message on social media, and let him know what way you can help out the tournament. If not, obviously, www.savejt.com, and it'll take you to the links where you can also donate. But again, shout out to Ryan Lambert for what he's doing. Uh, it's definitely worth mentioning, uh, you know, putting in the effort, and everybody that's contributing to that tournament. That, that he's organizing and KBN is organizing. How does that make you feel knowing that so many people now want to be a part of saving JT? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I was, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Ryan. I'm going to get emotional about it, but I was talking to Ryan yesterday. I was trying my best to like just hold it together. He's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, what? Whoa, man. I mean, I just, it makes me feel like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever felt like you're just like extremely loved or so many people are like, you want to help your kid. I, man, it's, it's overwhelming. I'll tell you that. And when he started telling me some of the stuff and then he's like, I was like, dude, and he's like, it's okay, Jay. Well, I got this, man. We're going to knock it out of the park. And then he's telling me all that. I'm like, I just couldn't believe it. I, I like literally came in the house and I was trying to explain it to my wife and I just, you know, I, I, it's, It's, it's still hitting me. Like right now, it's like when you tell me it's hitting me even more now. Um, uh, you know, and then to hear different people and like, you know, heroes of the sport and stuff stepping up and man, <laughs> you know, shout out to Ryan and everybody else. You know, I know he's got that's helping him out. I mean, it's, uh, it's really special for us. Um, It's gonna help our. It's gonna help my son. It's you know he's gonna make it. And uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be if it wasn't for guys like that. You know, it's like. It's... Once again, you can go to www.savejt.com to help out um, and get all the information. I know that 
for you, fishing is not a pastime. It's it, it's a way to provide for your money. And I want to make that clear because I know there are people with good hearts that want to know, hey, where is my money going? Um, fishing is an expensive sport, but this is not a hobby. This is not a sport. This is a way of life for you. It's a way to provide you. Yes. Being in the stage like this helps you create awareness for it. Yes. When So people know. Where does the when we talk about the funds that are going, what is it gonna cover and what where do people know how can people know where the money is going? And again, it's not that, yeah. that I'm putting any doubt on it, but I want to make sure that people that are listening and maybe haven't had this conversation you have and I've had uh before we started recording and don't know all the details. I want for them to know, you know, to make sure so they can be a peace of mind what is they're donating for. So let's yeah. run us a little bit about what is that money going to so so the money is going to so the tpi lab is at the university of pittsburgh um as of right now it's it's a privately funded operation and now now the michael paladino is works for the university um he handpicked he had handpicked this rare disease to study uh he has students come in to help him um to study the disease, trying to find a cure for it. They've already been doing it for JT. So the TPI lab is there. He has help. He had hired one other person. Now we've funded this. Now they've got more help in there. Um, meaning scientists, not just like chemists that get to work in the lab. Um, and it's probably private information, but let's just say they don't get paid as much. He gets paid from the school to work. Mm -hmm. The money doesn't go, go just pay his, his pocket. He gets, he's already paid from the school. The other people that have to get hired for the lab, that would be where it was going. So, and and they're not making a, a ton of money. And I don't, I'm sorry if someone's listening from that lab, but you know, I know that it's only a little over 40 grand. It's it's good money, but that, that's not, that's not the point. But the point is, is that every single dollar that's donated to the, to the, the, the fund, the Barofka family fund that we have set up there, um, and you can get a tax right off your big company. You need it. It's all their EIN number, but it all is funneled right to that lab only. None of the money gets spread out anywhere. And I am notified by an email every time someone donates directly to the lab. Now, I just actually just spoke with I. I just spoke with our website designer because we need to update that we have a new easier link, and I'll, I'm going to give it to you at the end so you can. You can share it with your podcast here on an easier link. It's just easier process if someone wanted to directly donate to the lab instead of, you know, GoFundMe or whatever. You know, the GoFundMe thing is set up. A lot of people don't know. They're scared to donate to the lab, so they're just comfortable with GoFundMe. So basically what happens is GoFundMe, we get the money, and then we have to condense it into a bank account, and then we have to send it to the lab, TPI lab itself. But – Every bit of that money that is donated to the lab goes directly to little things. Like they have a, a, a box of just test tubes. Normally what they would have to do is they'd have to place, set in an order and it takes a while to get approved. But when they have a bank account, they just go boom, order it, it's there. There's no hold up at all, anything. Uh, I have a few videos on my social media that show the inside of it. We went toured the lab. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go, you know, we, we flew JT over there and I was not going to fund this and try to 
send a million dollars to this place without actually seeing it mm-hmm. in person. And we went there, they gave us an amazing tour. The local media um, met us at the airport, followed us around and um, the university was, it was awesome. But back to that, yes, all the money's going there. It's all being used and I can go back and I can track and see what's been bought, everything. It's not like it's just going into some university and then they just, you know, it's not like that. It's set up just for that. And, and um, Stacy McAllister is in charge um, of, she's kind of helping us out. So if anybody does have any questions and you should go to savejg.com, there's be a link there and there'll be a phone number. You can call Stacy anytime. Now, sorry, Stacy, I'm not as public, but she's, she's going on maternity leave in August. So there'll be someone else, but right now she's still got the phone and anyone could call it if they have any questions about anything they donated. But um, just, just for it's like, um, uh, Christine Fisher, she just got hold me today. She said, I was totally moved. I'm donating my 500 bucks that I, I made at the, the tournament. And I text her the link and everything. And, and I told her if you have any questions, give her a call. I wanted to ask you going back to the, you know, how we segue into this. I was mentioning that for some of us fishing at a national tournament, it's just kind of measuring stick. We're not really worried about what we're going to get for professional kayak anglers. You know, they depend on that to keep their careers going. For you, how does that affect your fishing? Is there ever a time where you're in the water and you're feeling pressures like, I need to get on the money. I need to win this to help out. Is is that is I know JT is always on your mind and your heart, no matter what you're doing. But when it comes to actually, you know, putting in the work and 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 pre-fishing and tournament kicks off, lines in, and you're trying to figure out the bite. Is how you know how does that affect you and the way that you fishing? Does do you really do you really like have that mindset that you need to win something ju- to help out your son? That the, the significance of that check obviously is a lot bigger than most of us. How does that play out mentally and emotionally when you're going into a tournament? So, um. I guess when, when we found out about JT originally and, and right after I came back from the tournament, um, you know, I was on the West Coast. Like I said, I was fishing. I had a big, busy schedule. Um, I, uh, I I knew right away that I wasn't going to be able to fish. I just, I just knew I couldn't. And um, I did have some – I wasn't going to just turn it down. I did have um, uh, some sponsors that I mean, – like. At that time, um, Acosta had paid for, already paid for every all my entry fees, and and um, and then I had some other sponsor obligations. They get they they paid for my season mainly the FLW, um, which is MLF now season. So I did finish off the season because it's already paid for, and I just was throwing money away. But really, I canceled everything else. I had some stuff going on with Wild West. Um, I called them, told them, you know, I'm sorry. I just I can't fish and everybody understands. I just mentally, there's no way I, and also I need to put all my focus into fundraising and trying to save my son's life. The kayak. Um, now that was, so I've stepped aside from professional fishing for a little bit. I had, I had one decent tournament before I left California and it was just cause I had some amazing news about my son. And that just goes to show you, I was, I was already in the tournament. I had some amazing news about my son. My, my wife goes, Hey, get out there go relax, go, go, go fishing. You get to practice 
and uh, I, I had an awesome tournament. I didn't win, I got second place, but just to say my mental part in that, just the effect of it is so drastic that um, just that little bit of good news made me just have all the confidence in the world. But before that, I'm at my home lake, Clear Lake. I was literally picking a fish up and I literally dropped it in the water. Like I wasn't even thinking, I shouldn't even have been there. I shouldn't even have been part of that. And that's why I, I, I took a step back from fishing for a little bit um, and to focus on my son and also focus on um, um, my, the, my tackle company as well. And um, with that said, I, I, the kayak thing, you know, that was kind of just like a little break for me to get away. You know, my brother, he, David, he told me, hey, it's, you know, it's not much. For me, it didn't cost me much. I was out of pocket. I went and I fished and I, I want some money. And then the classic thing, you know, I was just lucky we were here. We're close by near Dallas. So, you know, it wasn't too far away. But, um, you know, like, like again, though, we've had some really good news about JT lately. And he's just not good, like, as far as, like, he's, you know, I said he's stable. So just that little bit of just be able to take a couple deep breaths helped me through this tournament. And it kept my mind in the game. Instead of just being out like, in a case, you know, wondering if, if my son's ventilator popped out of his neck or something, you know, just thinking about that. I, I was actually just out there doing what I love to do and I was able to focus and I know my wife's going to call me or text me if anything happens or anything's wrong and I'm not too far away. So that, that was one thing that, that helped me get through, um, all the way to this tournament, get through it and all the different decisions I had to make on the water with all the changing conditions. So, um, I mean, carried away here, but yeah, the mental part about being out there when something's major happening in your family, I don't know too many professional fishermen that fishermen or just anybody in sports in general that can actually perform when somebody in their family or something major is affecting them and, and emotionally, it's, it's too, it's too hard. And, and I, I've been really blessed to have the, the companies that I've represented, they all stepped up and they started helping. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, just even Stims, I mean, those guys, they've helped out so much too. I mean, everybody, every, this hat, Yamamoto, I mean, we had raffles, they're sending me 20 pound boxes of Cinco's. I mean, you know, things like that, these, these, the fishing industry helped us in that way. And I just couldn't, I couldn't fish. I couldn't do it, but um, things are getting better and, and uh, we're looking forward to next year. Next year's going to be awesome. So uh, we're just, I'm, you know, ready to get back in the game. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be in the water sometimes, you know, kind of get away from it. And especially when you get good news, I mean, it's every little bit of good news is helps out. By the way, um, just uh, I want to share this here uh, for uh, just to warn everybody, you're gonna get cuteness overload here while we share this page. I don't <laughs> know if everybody can see it. That is the page for um, www.savejt. This is .com, right? Yes. .com. .com. Can you believe we got that? I couldn't believe it was available. Can we look <laughs> it up? Savejt.com. I mean, that's, uh, you look, save anything. It's not available. That was available. So it was meant to be. I think everyone agrees that's the cutest baby picture ever. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know he's had some cute pictures. We even I'll just I'm a little bit bragging about him. I mean, everybody he goes, you know, like every kid's cute, but and especially every parent thinks the kids the kids are cute. But 
he did get we did get a message from Carter's clothing company. Um, wanted to use some of his social media, and they they were sending us free clothes. So so you know, I should have worked the bed. Maybe I could have got him a model, but yeah. But uh, Carter's yeah, he had some cute pictures, little videos, and laughing. Yeah, he's a uh, I love him. He's awesome. He is, I'm, and he's I'm a fighter. A fighter he's just like his old man, I bet. <laughs> he is a fighter, man. He's a tough kid. I mean, he's tough, and he, he would just be blown away at how positive he's, he, he, he had, has such a positive attitude with all the stuff he's got to go through every day in and day out. I mean, his day starts out. You know, he wakes up in the morning. He has to, uh, you know, he has to, um, he's a little stiff because muscles stiff, so he has to stretch out. It's a little difficult sometimes. And he stretches out, and um, and then he starts getting his treatments. He has like a lung treatment. He has to like sit on this liquid and a pump pump stuff into him. Um, and then he has this like cough assist machine that like sucks air in and out of your lungs. It's very uncomfortable. He finally stopped crying every for the first first uh, four months straight. It was terrifying, and it, I had to do it to him twice a day and it was like a nightmare no one wants to see their kid terrified but now he's getting used to it he goes through that has to get his trait cleaned out we have to go through all that um we have um amazing nurse we have nurse care and it's provided by the state too uh, and it's really helped us out a lot especially here in texas you guys have the best health care system i mean wait you know, i thought california had a great it was good and nothing not knocking on the doctors in California. I'm not talking about just the healthcare system alone here is amazing for kids like my son, extreme situations like my kid. And um, we have an amazing nurse that, that's here to help us. Um, not only does she just, you know, just watch everything. It just makes us feel comfortable. I can leave the room. But, you know, JT has to be 24-hour surveillance. So my wife and I, you know, we can't uh, sleep in the same bedroom. One of us has to sleep, and we switch out every night. Um, she'll wake me up at f sometimes three in the morning, and I'll just go back in there and sleep because he wakes up, you know, through the night. But his day starts out like that, goes all day long. He has to, he has four feeding times. Um, you know, he's he can. We have to play with him. He has to move. He can't do much. You know, you, we stand him up, make him try to walk. He gets physical therapy twice a week. Uh, it's it's a it's it's full time. You got to make sure, and he, and it's all because we're getting them back in motion. And when this cure, it's close. We're getting close. They just got a lot more testing to do. When it comes, he's gonna get it. And I'm just, I just keep praying that it's gonna be one of these. I know it is. I just I believe it. It's gonna be one of these deals where you see somebody that's crippled or can't walk, and then next thing you know, they're working out. And the next thing you know, they're running down the street, and it was like that thing you see on TV all the time. And I just, I just keep praying that's going to happen and, and I, I know it will i feel it with everything falling into place one thing after another like all this it's it's going to happen and jt uh, you know like i said he's at least now he doesn't have to get poked every other day you know right now with needles and um all the testing is pretty much past us now we know where we're at and you know he's, he's had some big skin sample plugs taken out of his back for the lab it just—it was just terrible to watch it, your kid go through that, um, and there's nothing you can do. They're just looking at you, and they're scared, and then there's just nothing you can do about it. But you know, now he's starting to grow up. He's getting a little bit bigger. He's going to be three years old here in September, and um, and then you know, there's a lot of different stuff.
that he has to go through. Not just that, but he's been kept in a bubble his whole life. Um, he, does, he has a compromised immune system. His immune system is low. It's just we just don't want him to catch a major illness. You know, the COVID thing yeah. um, was for kids wasn't that big of a deal, but more important was a flu, like if he got the yeah. flu. So I have to be very careful. We we have to, you know, sanitize. We do the best we can, but you got to live too. And in our situation, yeah, you have to live. So, you know, we've been to Bass Pro Shops. With, we've got, he's he's got to go out. You know, he's got to see stuff and you got to live. You can't just lock yourself up. And, and, and for anybody that ever, and if you're listening and you might have or know somebody that has a child that is disabled or a family member is disabled or something like this, you know, just let them know that take, take your time, do your thing too. like try to, cause if you don't, you'll go crazy. So, yeah, you know, you got to do that, stuff. That's, I think it's the most underrated uh, part of it. I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's, you're trying to survive to live. Um, yeah. So there's that balance and really is in like in your case, nobody has the right to tell you what that balance is. Just like nobody has the right to tell you how to raise JT. So you have to make, you know, between you and your wife, you make your decisions of what you, how much and what you're willing to risk in order for JT to also enjoy his life. Because that's the whole point of it. Not only yeah. to be here, but to, to enjoy it, you know. And that's not going to be the same enjoyment maybe another kid has, but there's no reason to think that you can do the best of it. And again, that is such a personal decision. Nobody has the right to tell you you know, how to do it. And, and you have to strike that balance and you as a parent are the ones who, you know, carry the burden of that decision. So we, something we all have to respect. Um, and again, we, we look, we, I think I speak for everyone in the kayak fishing community. We all looking forward to see JT keep growing, keep enjoying life and, and help out not only JT, but any other child that, could be facing this in the future. And again, I can't stress that enough. JT is, you know, a catalyst, uh, catalyst to to saving a lot of kids' life if we all do yes. our part to to help out. And again, shout out to Joe McElroy. Um, there's so many other names that we can mention. Uh, you know, Christine Fisher, uh, certainly Ryan Lambert, what he's doing, and everyone. And there's so many people right now reaching out to Ryan Lambert and KBN to help out, to donate companies, individuals, uh, small companies, big companies. I don't, I mean, I, I don't have the whole list, but everyone yeah, that's out there, we all appreciate it. And it, it, you know, it's certainly, you know, it's not going to go unnoticed. Uh, certainly not from us in the kayak fishing community. Jason, it's been an honor to have you on our show. It's an emotional show. I know we, we were struggling to keep it there together for a while, but I really do appreciate you coming to the show and talking about this, this situation and how we can all help out, you know. And again, congratulations to the job you've done in fishing and, you know, helping elevate the sport. You had a great showing, uh, challenging um, situations of fishing in, in Possum Kingdom. I'm sure for a lot of local anglers that, that threw a curveball because there was a lot of, um, you know, changing uh, weather and a lot of flooding and a lot of water, change, water level changes. So I know it was a struggle. Impressive what Pentagraph and Joe and everyone out there and also um, Brad Case, although broke uh, 200 inches on those two days. So shout out to them. That was very impressive. And again, Jason, thank you so much. Thank we you. look forward to watching, again, JT stories. 
Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anybody out there specifically that you want to thank? Um, not just for your fishing, you know, but also more importantly for JT. I want to go ahead and give you a few minutes for that. You know, I got a lot of people I want to thank, but um, I, I just got to thank the Lord. You know, we've been just truly blessed in this whole thing, and and it, I, you know, I just want to thank Him and every. I've been praying and prayers started me and there being answered. And I just thought I, that's all I got guys. I, I, you know, I just, um, I love everybody here and I want to thank everybody, all you listeners, all you guys that support JT. I, thank you so much. Um, you know, all my, my companies that work with that, they know I've, I'm family with them anyway. So, you know, but I just want to thank everybody that's listening and everybody that's going to be helping everybody. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. JT would not be where he's at without you guys. And uh, thanks for having me, Armando. This is awesome. <laughs> my pleasure, man. Awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> no, thank you. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just doing my small yeah. part of, you know, as best as I can, man. It's a, it's, not, it's a small resources that I have with the podcast, but it's all yours, man. It's all yours for this hour. So, <laughs> yeah. so thank you again for those out there listening. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Don't forget www.savejt.com. Thank you to Douglas Rods for sponsoring the show and go check them out. DouglasOutdoors.com. Again, thank you for Jason. If you're going to be underwater people, please wear your PFDs. Stay safe. Have a great day, everyone. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.